just talking musicals, musicals with you. Hello, I'm Leslie Ann Knight and welcome to the Just Talking Musicals Meetup where I get to have a quick catch up with some of today's outstanding theatre professionals from the West End and Broadway. On the other side of the Zoom window today is a British actor whose musical theatre credits include playing Daddy Warbucks in Annie at Piccadilly Theatre and on UK tour, Sam in Mamma Mia, Frankenfurter in the Rocky Horror Show, Fred in Kiss Me Kate for the BBC Proms at the Royal Albert Hall and again at Chichester directed by Trevor Nunn. He's played Billy Flynn in Chicago at the Adelphi and none other than Daryl in The Witches of Eastwick at the Watermill. At the Dominion Theatre he's played Khashoggi in We Will Rock You and Danny Zuko in Greece at the Cambridge Theatre. And amongst all this, we mustn't miss out his wonderful debut in the West End in the acclaimed production of Showboat with the Royal Shakespeare Company and Opera North when he got his first big break in the West End. Therefore, it gives me the greatest pleasure to welcome Alex Bourne to the meetup today. Hello, Alex. Hello, Leslie. That's what a lovely introduction. Oh, thank you very much. What a lot. I've crammed in quite a bit in the last 30 odd years, haven't I? Yes, indeed. It's uh. fantastic. Um, and it's so lovely to meet you today. Thank you for meeting me on the meetup. Lovely to meet you. It's lovely. You know, there's, as we were saying, you know, with Zoom being the, the way of things at the moment, it's, all, it's just quite a, a normal, natural thing, isn't it? Everyone's yeah. doing it all the time. It's lovely. Yes. It's um, for people who remember, it's a bit like uh, the Star Trek that we used to watch and everybody used to talk to each other on screen. Suddenly we're doing it as well. It's like, help. <laughs> so Meetup's all about seven questions. And the opening one uh, is really the most obvious one was, how was your, what was your work diary looking like uh, this time last year? Because we're now January, oh no, February 2021. And yeah. this time last year, how was your work diary looking? This time last year, I, th I think, yeah, I was, um, I'd just been offered actually uh, a fir my first part in a film. And I thought, well, that's a new one on me, you know. So I went, I, I did a self-tape for this part in, um, in Cinderella, the new uh, Cinderella movie for Sony, um, starring Camilla Cabello as uh, Cinderella and lots of other uh, A-listers. And it was a tiny part, like one line, but um, I got that about, a year ago and that was due to film in um, April my little bit a week on it in April and they started it and did about five weeks and it was about to get to my bit and uh, they had to shut it down obviously because that was it was in March April at that point and they couldn't continue so they had to just shut it down but they said you know we will we do want to um, finish this we will finish it but we've just got to wait for lockdown restrictions to be lifted a bit and uh, and sure enough, you know, come end of August, September, they got back, um, everybody back and they finished it. They did like an, a month on it and I got to go and do my, my little bit, my little week on this brilliant film. Amazing. Where were they filming? Uh, what, sorry, what was that? Where? Where? Yeah. It uh, was at Pinewood and of course, you know, Hatfield House and um, Wadsden Manor. And then the bit that I did was at Sheen Castle, which I'd never even heard of. And it's only about an hour away from me uh, in Tame near Oxfordshire. Yes. It's a beautiful castle. And, um, but it was in the grounds of the castle, I think, where there was some stables, um, some outbuildings. They'd built a set in this area of the village sort of square, village town. So it was a huge week of, um, I think, all made most of the opening of the film and the, and the end of the film were all, was all shot in that week you know, with about 80 um, dancers and ensemble and all the stars of it were there. And it was a one wonderful 
experience. I'm so glad that I got to do it. I was also kind of worried because um, my the other job that I did uh, was supposed to start the, last year was the uh, UK tour of hairspray, um, which was supposed to start in July at the at the Curve in Leicester, and. Of course, that got put back and put back. It was almost going to be done at Christmas time, maybe start then. But it now looks like we're going to start. Um, they're hoping in sort of May, May June this year. Yeah. So it's always been there. And of course, I was then thinking, what if hairspray uh, takes off and the film? They then reschedule the film to the end of the year, and I'm doing hairspray, and I can't get out to do my bit in the film, and it was all that kind of thing. Oh, I was also going to be doing. It was actually a really good year. I was actually going to be doing. Um, uh, Alonso Smith in Meet Me at St. Louis uh, at Grange Park Opera, which oh, would have been absolutely beautiful. <clears throat> I don't know if you've been there, but, you know, apparently it's a wonderful sort of um, venue they built. And, and people come along and, and see the first half and then have dinner sort of outside in this beautiful summer evening and then go back in and watch the second half. And, um, and we were doing about like six performances in a month. It would have been like a dreamy little job. So it was shaping up to be great. But um, I have to say, you know, the year before I was on tour for a year, weekly touring with Annie, which I love. But um, it, it's been amazing to be at home with my wife and daughter. Yeah. And my daughter's turned 13 now, you know, and, and I think I'm really, really lucky and pleased that I've been able to be at home for this year and spend this quality time with her. I mean, she's probably sick to the sick to death of me by now but you know to be there when she's going through this this transitional period and and um it's just been great so yeah and hopefully all the work will will eventually you know just start a bit later yeah i was going to say because um being on tour you it, it is exhausting isn't it it's fantastic but it can be exhausting trying to keep everything going can't it yeah yeah absolutely you know it's weekly touring which I, in a way i sort of quite like um, rather than sitting down somewhere for a long time. I quite like the, the fact that it's a different venue every week. Um, and sometimes we open on a Tuesday, so you're only, only really there sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, check out the hotel, do two shows, drive home. And you get to see the country. Yeah, and you get to see the country. And now, I've, you know, I've toured quite a bit over the years, so I don't think there's many venues, certainly number one venues, that I haven't played. So you get to know where you're going to stay and yeah. where where to park and the best pub most importantly yeah. of course yeah all the essentials it's, mm. it's it's also the on that subject it's all the regional theatres that that have must be struggling right now that it's so hard to just get through this time isn't it well absolutely i'm sure a lot of them are, are suffering but i know a lot a lot of shows have, have now sold you know they're selling their tours because um, obviously it's not it's all well and good if if um, they want to put a hairspray tour on but you, you can't just keep a theater open for for one tour but i think there's a lot of things going out and i i, I sort of think we're better we've got more chance of it happening being on tour because i think for people waiting to start their west end jobs again it's, it's going to be so difficult because the whole of the west end are going to have to come back together and yeah. if there's any kind of london lockdown thing happens that's everyone's gone you know it's all shut down yeah. Whereas with a tour break or there's some situation where they have to lock down that that venue um we just miss that week out and you know move on and carry on and hopefully you know who knows i mean who knows what's going to happen um but that's the that's the plan and the hope yes absolutely i've got to rewind a little bit there because yeah. you talked about meet me in st louis 
yeah Grange Park I know the film well but I didn't mm. know I actually share my ignorance here I didn't know they'd made it into a, a stage musical when did that happen that happened in about 1989 oh did it uh, on Broadway and it didn't run for that long I think it did about 300 performances and um that's not bad oh, and I can't I know and I can't think and I think they wrote a few new songs for it and um yes and it doesn't get I don't think it's been done here before so it was going to be with the um I think with a a, a philharmonic orchestra of some description I can't yeah. remember one. and it would have been you know an epic thing it would have been huge yeah. but you're right it's a, I didn't know it would have been I had no idea at all and um, I mean, in terms of turning that story in, into a, a stage musical, it's such a wonderful story, and um, it, it's got so much more to it, hasn't it, than than people think it has. When you really get into it, it's the most charming film. Yeah, exactly. It's so uh, maybe they'll do it again. They'll try and reschedule that at yeah. some point, and and hopefully, I'll be uh, I'll be around to do that. So my second question, I think you've almost covered it, but because it, it was, have you been involved in any interesting? Um, projects in the past 10, 11 months, and you have, obviously, clearly, but have there been any others? Yeah, well, there's been a lot, like I do, I've got a little studio here, um, yeah. and I do photography, and I've always kind of dabbled in photography and videography, um, and what it's done, it's made me kind of, like for years, friends of mine have been saying, oh, you need to get a website, you need to get a website. I go, I don't want to go website. I don't want it to be something I do. I just want to be able to, I do it. And if someone says, oh, can you film this for me? Can you take these pictures? I go, yeah, great, and go along. But I've now had to kind of make it a thing I do. And so I've got my albornstudios.com website. Because I also took my uh, drone pilot's license this year. I've got yes. my, um, uh, my uh, professional license to fly drones. Um, so I do a bit of that. And... That would be, I mean, if I could do that, I think that would be that would be the dream. But it's quite difficult to get into all that. But I've got that. Um, and, of course, with the editing that I do, um, I don't know if you know Sabrina Aloesh, who I did We Will Rock You With. She, she came to me with this idea of doing, of getting all the people that used to be in We Will Rock You to, to do Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, and sing their parts and send it in on Zoom or whatever, or just for, film it on the phone and send it in. And, um, and we'll make a little video for fun, you know. And of course, that then escalated into an enormous project that took weeks and weeks um, with about 49 people in it eventually sending in their videos of their bits. And uh, we even got Brian May to play the lead guitar solo on it. And we re-recorded we re the track and all the vocals. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen that at all. It's, um, it's, on, it's online somewhere. But it, it turned out really well. So that kind of took me, that took about a month of my life early on in the like April time, I think, early on in, in the first lockdown. So that was a good project uh, to do. And then um, my friend Mark Goldthorpe, who I've known for many years, he was, he was actually in the current cast of Mary Poppins, um, you know, when it, when it shut down. Yeah. Um, but he's a writer and, and we've, we've done lots of short films together over the years. And he was doing some uh online uh script work with with actors in a zoom situation and he wrote some scenes yeah. for two people to do like this now you know on zoom and they work really well and he said how can we redo these but but do but make them look better and i said oh, i like to do that so anyway he wrote a few more and then we actually did a whole series called distanced um 
it's on YouTube on Distanced Scenes, it's called. Yeah. And we did the first series that we did six episodes and we had some wonderful people like Joan Milson and Sarah Jane Potts and Leslie Joseph and uh, Diane Pilkington and Carly Stenson did one and and they were great and they were really well received and um, we've just crowdfunded uh, the second series and we've got all the funding for that so we're we're in the middle at the moment of uh, Mark's been writing the new episodes we've been casting things and rehearsing that so again it's all and it's all done remotely you know which is very interesting um, but yeah so series two of that coming out so it's just been lots of things to keep me in this little room i mean i spend a lot of my time sat in this chair you know clicking yeah. away doing i've done some recordings for some uh, people that have uh, um some classical crossover stuff and and there's just always seems to be something which i'm very lucky yeah. i've got my finger in lots of pies there just seems to be always always something to do um yeah i've, I've even learned to do to build websites this year which i've never done before and um so yeah i've just been sort of busy it'd be it'd be great to go back on the road i'll have a break it'd be like i'm you know be relaxing easy to go on tour you see if you get into that mode and i've been in that mode that, mm. that you suddenly find there's no time in the day to get everything done and there's you never. have got time to leave the house um and i'm lucky because that's been my situation i've I was like, oh, too busy to leave the house. I mean, I'd love to leave the house. Um, yeah. But it's, um, I am lucky that I've had enough keeping me going, like you say. And if you if you have creative juices flowing, you're able to do to do something with it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's fantastic. The things that you can uh, cre create um, when you are forced into a situation just to, because it, it gives you the world without being able to go out into the world. Yeah, completely. Yeah. That's it. Our world is connected this way. I yeah. mean, we could never have done this years ago. You know, just the fact you can no. upload massive files. You know, when people sending in their Bohemian Rhapsody stuff, you know, they were sometimes one gigabyte each files. You know, so you set up a Dropbox and everyone just sends all the stuff to the Dropbox and it all just comes in. And I go to the Dropbox and there's more stuff. And then you start chucking it into a project and and then you can send off a rough edit to Sabrina to have a look at, and she goes, oh, yeah, tweak that. And, and no one needs to go anywhere. It's just it's brilliant. I love it. It's like all my, like when I was a kid, I used to have a little tape recorder and do recordings, and I, and I had a, a Super 8 um, cine camera. Yeah. I used to make little films, and just like, oh, to be able to edit stuff in those days. And now it's just like, it's like all my childhood dreams have come true. I have to, before we go on to our next question, I've got to ask you something that I don't want to forget to ask you, because I think it's really important and it's really wonderful for people to know about this, because you have had this wonderful career, you've still got this wonderful career, you didn't go the, what people would say is the, 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 the route that people identify with these days by going to drama college or studying musical theatre or um, going through that, you've had a much more traditional um, into your work, didn't you? Because you, it was you hit the ground running. I think, didn't you? Well, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I don't think it would happen this way really anymore. I always kind of did um, amateur dramatics, and you know, all my life, I was always. I was in a band at school. I did plays. I, I was always interested in that, um, but didn't kind of know how to go about doing it for a living. And um, and I think I. And so, yeah, I, I basically got an, an engineering apprenticeship at this company my parents worked at and my whole family worked there for years, massive company. It was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to go away. I, you know, I wasn't ready to sort of leave home at 16. I, I had a bunch of mates at home 
I just wanted to get this job, get this apprenticeship and start that. And after a couple of years of that, I sort of realized that, you know, I really need to be, I really want to be an actor. And, um, and I applied to some drama schools and I got into uh, some, but they we couldn't get the funding sorted out. And it was all a bit of a faff. And I thought, well, I can't stay in this, this apprenticeship any longer. I'm going to have to leave. And I thought, I'll go and spend the summer working at a holiday camp, you know, just like, like you do. Yeah. I'd gone there as a kid. I'd gone to Pontins as a kid. And I thought, oh, I'd have to be a blue coat. That'd be brilliant. So I went to, I went to Pontins Plemont Bay in Jersey. Yeah. And made some lifelong friends there. But really, I was the only kind of singer heart you know i wasn't even that great but i could sing and play guitar so i ended up entertaining in the bar at lunchtime every lunchtime and then i was the main singer in all the shows we did and it was almost like just thrown into it and and and, and I, I came away from that five months later with um a guy on a wonderful man who gave me my first sort of professional job uh paul wagner who's a is a legend uh he sadly died a couple of years ago but um he was a great influence and he gave me a job on his touring show in jersey in 1988 that would be because uh, pontins was 87 and a year later i went i went back into this touring show and and then i could get my equity card from that because yeah. it was it was 30 weeks paid work and it was an equity contract and i did that tour i never really wanted to be a cabaret singer but i did it with some great people, had a brilliant summer in Jersey, got my equity card. So then I came, you know, came back with that. And I did a little season over there at Caesar's Palace with Bradley Walsh. It was just an, you know, a, unknown then, me and Bradders. And and he got me with his agent who got me a gig in Clacton at the West Westcliff Theatre for Francisco Lightly in 89. Always trying to get into musicals, but I, I found myself doing this kind of production singer route. Um, and then really, my best friend who I made, um, Joe, who I met at Pontins, um, she was uh, dating an actor, and, and he was in the original production of Showboat, um, which you have the poster of behind you, I can see, uh, Showboat at Opera North in Leeds, when they first okay. put it on. And, um, and he, was, he, was, he was a great guy. He was an American guy and very, you know, very... Um, go getting and encouraging for me and he basically said to the director if you need someone to understudy simon green i know a guy who will fit the costume and i've done nothing and i get a phone call from opera north and they say uh, we want to put you on a train can you come up and audition i was like okay i was like 22 or something and you know and i went up to leeds and they auditioned me because I guess it was an opera company doing it, but people like Frank and Ellie, like Simon Green, were, you know, they were the they were not the opera, the, the non-opera bits. Uh, yeah. Like. And then and they and they said, great, we'd like you to cover Simon and all the non-opera parts. And I was like, okay, that's great. So I got that job, and that was my kind of first thing in musical musical theatre. And I was I was in there, you know. Yes. But, um, and then, of course, at the end of that original um, run, which was in Leeds and Stratford-upon-Avon, the, the RSC, uh, it was going to go out on the road um, for Polar Jones, going to tour it. And they said, you want to you know, be considered for that? But I'd already um, signed a contract to, do, to go on the, the Canberra in the theatre company, the, the cruise ship, P&O, yeah. 
1990. And so that was that. So I couldn't do that. But anyway, when I got off that ship, I knew the tour was still going on. And I had no agent. I had no way of, you know, it's, it's, these things are kind of fate, aren't they? So I was so, I was so um, focused then, you know what I mean? More, more than now, I think. Uh, And I knew that the, the tour was opening in Bristol and I'm, I'm from Cheltenham. So that was like not very far away. So I had no one's number. So I went to Bristol, bought a ticket for the opening night in Bristol and in the bar in the interval was the resident director who I knew from when I did it before. And I kind of went, oh, hello, it's me. I'm back off that ship now. And he was like, oh, good to see you. Oh, lovely, little chat, 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 chat. And about a week later, I get a phone call. Somebody was not, was pulling out of the second half of the tour and got, and they said, do you want to come and be in the ensemble and play and, and you know, do that role? I was like, oh yeah, brilliant. So suddenly I'm on the tour of Showboat, all because I'd gone to Bristol and tried to make that connection with the, with somebody there. And so that that was that, and I did we did the tour for four months, and then we did two months at the Palladium, which was you know got got me got me to the West End. Isn't it amazing? It's timing, isn't it? And listening yeah. to that, I always think it's listening to that little voice in your head that is easy to ignore sometimes, but you just yeah. have a hunch, and they are worth following up, aren't they? Yeah. You can talk yeah. yourself out of a hunch any day of the week, but it's like the work that you've been doing in the last year, and you've been creating in the last year. Yeah. You don't know where that's going to, to lead to either. And that's all come from an idea that you've had. Ooh, yeah. Let's have a go at doing this. I, I love that. And that's that's how it all got going for you in the first place. Yeah, it's always been that. I've just seen an opportunity, especially when I was young, I think. Yeah. There's also then my parents have been to see the Buddy Holly story. And I was brought up on Buddy Holly and Dean Martin, all that old rock and roll stuff. I loved it. And they've been to see the show in like 89 in the, in the West End. said, oh, my God, you've got to see Buddy. It's brilliant. And um, and I can remember being on tour with Showboat, and I got I had no agent or anything, and I got the stage like we all got the stage paper, and in the back was um, it said because we, we never had casting directors in those days. It was all the resident director would get submissions in, and it said Paul Mills, Buddy Casting, can you play instruments and sing, and you know write to Paul Mills, and I wrote a handwritten letter and a handwritten CV, and. I, and I got a, a, a call back saying, yes, we'd like to come and audition, you know. And long story short, I went down to audition and there, there really wasn't a, a job for me, if you like. I, I was clearly right for Buddy, but there was nothing, there was no, there was no jobs going at the time. But they, they said, we just want you to come back in like six months. And, um, and I always remember, because I got the no, I got the no on the stairwell at the Palladium. Oh, charming, yeah. Because, you know, we had no mobiles then. So it was like, yeah. you know, Alex Bourne phone call on level two. And you go, oh, hello. And it's Paul Mills. And they said, and he just said, we, you've not got it this time, but we want you to come back. And the two things that were stuck in my mind, um, he, he said, Buddy Holly needs to have uh, raw energy and youthful aggression. And I think I was quite, quite laid back, quite confident. You know, I, would, I could walk on a stage people say that I, and I, I put them at ease you know I'm very I can walk on I'm very relaxed and I put people at ease but of course this young rock and roll star had to be oh you know and so so I went away for six months and just kind of worked on that and then went back in the August and auditioned again and, and got in in Buddy which was the big that was the big break you know that was the big break for me 
I I auditioned for that twice. I had a recall on that. Me too. Yeah, I completely mucked up my second audition because I my piano playing I froze. Oh, um, were you up for Vi Vi Petty? Pardon? Were you up for Vi Petty, the producer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that would have been great. Yeah, but I just mucked it up. You know when you have those oh. those milestones that you you think, oh, I mucked that one up. Um, but it's, it was a great show. Oh. It's an amazing show. Uh, in fact, somebody put up a little clip um, of us doing it because it was February the 3rd yesterday and that's the anniversary of Buddy's death. And so they put a little clip of us doing it. I mean, it was, I remember going to watch it when I was in the middle of auditions and Billy Garrity was playing Buddy. And I remember watching the show and I've never seen a show where as soon as it finished, my, I mean, my jaw was on the floor. I was watching it going, who can I play? Okay, I can play a bit of bass. I could do that part. I can play the drums a bit. I can do that part. You never thought I could play Buddy Ollie just i just loved it so much at the end of it i said i could watch that all again right yeah. now you know and i got in there you know and and then they wanted me to you know to be the understudy buddy and, and learn all that and and it, i mean god it was just the best job in the world to turn up for rehearsals on a stage with guitars and drums and bass and pa and it's like and just play these songs and 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 perfect them and make them sound like the original and all of that stuff the best then, music, Buddy Holly. I love Buddy Holly. Yeah, yeah. And that was when the show was at the Victoria Palace. So it was, yeah. the, it was the original production. You know, it's kind of been scaled down a bit now. It's not the same show, you know, at, at all that it used to be back in the day. Uh, it, it was just a huge, huge production. Well, moving on, as we must, to our third question, which is still in the slightly serious mode of the times that we're living in at the moment. Um, and it's, how do you envisage the theatre making its way out of this time that we're going through now and making its recovery as we come out of the COVID lockdown situation? How do you think theatre <clears throat> will actually recover this year? Well, I know, I think, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of um, houses and a lot of producers are going to be taking a, taking a hit you know, to get them back, they're going to have to take a, a big hit. They already have, of course. Um, I guess all we can hope that now they're rolling out the vaccine so well. I mean, the thing is, when they, like at Christmas time, when they, they <clears> did <throat> put a few shows on in London, like Christmas Carol with Brian Connolly was on Dominion and all those other things, and the, the, the measures they put in place, then it was so safe and so secure. Yeah. It was brilliantly done. Um, the only problem with that, you can only sell, I guess, every other seat would be the, the issue there. But it was so well done and it was so cruel that they got, those shows got taken off. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you could literally come out of the Dominion and go to Primark and there's millions of people all just, you know, rubbing up against each other without masks on. Yeah, in the theatre, it was probably the safest place to be in London. So, I mean, they've got all those kind of measures already in place. But uh, we just, I guess everyone's just hoping that if enough people get vaccinated, that yes. it will be okay to, to yeah. get back in there again. You know, phew, who knows? I'm just, I'm just like everyone else, just waiting for the, waiting for the call to say we're starting rehearsals on Monday. Yes, and off we go, and that would just yeah. be, that would be mind blowing. And I suppose at the end of the day, we are all in it together, and everybody is getting through somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just being optimistic and looking to the end of it because Broadway suffered terribly too by being absolutely closed down, hasn't it? I mean, that's crazy. Who would have thought, you know, this time last year, if you'd say the whole of the West End of Broadway is going to be shut down. I'm also supposed to be doing um, 
Sunset Boulevard, a concert version um, at Alexandra Palace on which now it was supposed to be done in October, November, and it's been put back and put back. And we're now booked in on April the 18th, I think it is. Um, I'm not sure if that's been announced yet, but um, you know, but even then, you know, who knows? That might be too soon. There might not be. We just keep tr trying, and um, and the company are getting together. You know socially distance whenever they can because you're allowed to you are allowed to yeah. meet in a room and rehearse um they're getting together and just going through the stuff and going through the stuff and everyone's online learning stuff i'm learning my bits and then eventually we'll all you know hopefully get the okay and go and do the two performances of that See, it's that classic moment, isn't it, where where you feel when you haven't got a job imminently, it's really difficult to learn your lines, isn't it? Um, I know you need a you need to know it's going to happen. You need yeah. to know it, it's happening. So yeah, yes. and I don't want to suddenly go, "What? It's happening next week?" Oh, crikey! You know, better learn my lines. So. And of course, I'm going to get to work with Maz Maz Murray, who I did. Um, she's been an old, you know, the whole Murray fa family are dear friends of mine for the last 25 years, and. Um, when I got to do We Will Rock You with Maz, you know, we, we worked together for five years and we are, we are dear pals. And, um, and so she's playing Norma and I'm playing Max. So it would just be great to be back with her again. It's great. There are people in this world that you meet who you just spark with, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and she, is, she is one of them, definitely. On to your next question. What's your favourite show, musical, of all time? Um, it's a tricky one. What you, I would say it's a tricky one. It's not really. It's a show. I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you ever heard of a show called Forever Plaid? No. No. It was done originally um, in the early 90s in, in a dinner theatre in New York called Steve yeah. McGraw's. So... Um, and it's basically, it's a four-handers, four actors in it, and two musicians. And it's about a vocal harmony group in the 60s that get killed on the way to their first big gig. And it's on February the 9th, 1964, which was the night the Beatles appeared on The Ed Sullivan Show. And these four geeks, if you like, um, because these four guys are really into the close harmony singing of like the four aces and the high lows. And the, and the Ames brothers and all that kind of stuff. And these guys get killed. You hear in a voiceover, they get killed. And suddenly from the back of the auditorium in, in the darkness, they come through. And basically they're in this sort of transitional world between, you know, I guess, earth and what is beyond. Yeah. And the only way they, they realize, the only way they can get to go on to the next level is to create the perfect chord. So they decide to do the gig that they were going to they're on their way to do. So yeah. you get this amazing show with these four guys, which are incredible characters. And there's a story throughout, you know, it's, it's a, and you are totally immersed in it. And it is my favorite thing on the planet. I, when I was doing the um, Buddy in America, I got to go and do the US tour, which was like amazing. And we were in Boston and um, we were staying in the Park Plaza Hotel. And my friend Tom, who was in the show, uh, he said, oh, there's a show on in the terrace room, which is like a, a dinner theatre in the hotel. There's a show on, uh, there's a matinee, and my friend's in it. We're going to go. Do you want to come? I was like, all right. And I didn't know what it was. And we went down, got our seats, got a little drink, sat there at these little tables. And then this show happened, and I was just 
blown away. And I went and saw it again and again and again there. I saw it in Steve McGraw's. I saw it in Toronto. I saw, I mean, the original cast um, actually came to London in about 94. And they were, it was produced by Paul Elliott, who produced Buddy. Yeah. And so as a, for a little, uh, I was in rehearsals for Buddy. And they actually brought the four guys in to do a little promo thing on the, on the news to film it. And so suddenly I'm there, you know, in my theatre. And the four original plaids came in and did a little number. You know, and I, I, no one knew this show apart from me. And I'm the biggest fan in the world. And so I got to meet the original guys and go and see them in London. And then when... Uh, 15 years ago, when me and my wife uh, got married, we got married in Vegas, and somebody gave me a contact for somebody that was in the Vegas cast. So I emailed them and said, oh, I'm getting married in, uh, at the Aladdin Hotel, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we wondered whether we could book you guys to come and sing. And they went, yeah, all right, yeah, we'll do it for $100 each. And it was like, because they do a brilliant, their final number is Love is a Many Splendid Thing. Um, and so they, they sang, well, first of all, because it's forever plaid, they wear these sort of tartan jackets and stuff like that. They, they sing a wonderful acapella version of Scotland, the brave. And so they did that acapella Scotland, the brave as my, my wife is Scottish. So I said, dad walked her down the aisle in his kilt. These four guys were singing this close harmony, Scotland, the brave. And then once the ceremony was over, as we walked out, they sang love is a many splendid thing. Um, so yes, there's a lot of connection with that show. So Forever Plaid is the greatest show ever. Well, I'd have never have guessed that. I know. Probably closely followed by Crazy For You. That's, that's up there, really. But isn't it lovely when a, when a show, something like that, just grabs you by the neck and just throws you around the room and just takes your heart with it. And you're like, that's it forever. It's love, isn't it? it it's yeah, like, yeah. ooh. I, I, There's loads of bits of it on on YouTube and stuff, and they did actually make a movie of it with with three of the original cast uh, about maybe fifteen years ago. Uh, so yeah, so you can you can see you know get, get the the flavour of it. I will. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Now where are we next? Oh, who's your favourite artist of musicals today and yesteryear? Yeah, that was a tricky one. I thought about this. And I was thinking that, that, that there isn't anybody, I was thinking, there isn't anyone that I would go, oh my God, I've just got to go and see that person. There's loads of people I think are great. Um, but I did think back to what kind of got me into all this. And it's really my mum. You know, my mum did all the Amdram and I got dragged along with her and sort of got into it that way. And of course, she would organise coach trips to, to the Birmingham Hippodrome, which is only about an hour and 10 minutes from Cheltenham up the road, you know. And so we'd always be going to the hip to, to watch different things. And, and we went and saw Tommy Steele in Hans Christian Andersen and Singing in the Rain and yeah. all that. And, and when I was a kid, at Christmas time, they'd always put on half a sixpence. Um, my mum would always make me sit and watch half a sixpence with her. And, and I just think Tommy Steele was an incredible performer. And when I saw him, you know, as a kid, I just thought, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's great. I think I'd like to, I'd like to do that, you know? Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe Tommy Steele. That's a good choice. Yeah. And what, what about today? Today, we and, me and my wife are watching a thing that came up on like Sky Arts or something um, about musicals. You've probably seen it. It's a, it's a three or four part thing. The history of musical theatre. And it went through 
all the Watsits. And, um, and it got to West Side Story. And I think they were in a studio with an orchestra. And I think Gareth Valentine was on the stick. And, and, and suddenly this, this guy started singing Maria from West Side Story. And me and my wife went, good God, who is that? He is incredible. He must be American. Um, and we looked him up. And now he was English, and it's Rob Houchen, you know. And I just thought, what a voice, you know. And then, you know, roll on a couple of years later, or uh, back to two years ago, when I got I got offered you know, Eugenius at the uh, the other palace, and Rob was playing um, Eugene. And I just thought, God, your voice is, and to hear him sing that Eugene role, which is very, very difficult to sing. Uh, and all the other stuff I've seen him do now online and stuff like that. And he's a great bloke. And I just, I really admire him. And actually, Laura Baldwin, who played opposite him in Eugenius, I think she is just phenomenal. And I wish I got to see her in Waitress before it, it, uh, it came off. But yeah, I think Rob and Laura, I really admire them. So they and Waitress, but tell the story of Eugenius, because I don't think everybody would know. Wow, the story of Eugenius. Well, well, that's a tricky one. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I did the the original workshops for this years ago, and um, it was I think it was when Ben Adams, who was in A One, the pop band in the nineties, you know, on the noughties, uh, he he was doing panto with Chris Wilkins, Chris Nelson, who's an actor and voice voice artist, and I think they had this idea. They they love the eighties. They're really into the eighties. Um, vibe and all the movies of the 80s and the music of the 80s. They had this idea to write this kind of uh, comic book superhero-y mu musical and then Ben wrote all these kind of songs that were based on, you know, they had a flavour of the 80s and, and Chris wrote the book and they, got, they put this thing together and then got, um, and, and got it to a workshop stage where we, you know, we workshopped it and it, it was sort of coming together. The story was, it was a bit hard to understand what was going on yeah. because it's about a guy who is a geek and uh and he he draws comic books you know and 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 the, the superhero guy that he wrote uh tough man you know was kind of was was coming alive in his mind uh it's so complicated but i i do believe anyway they did a version that we they did a, a one night of it at the palladium and i still think people were still quite confused and then they did a version of it at the other palace where it got a bit more clear the story and then when I came to do the second version of the other palace with like Neil McDermott and uh, Simon Thomas and uh, with Rob and Laura and loads of other brilliant people, we we really tried to make sure every bit was understood what was happening. And then we'd stop and go, right, what is happening here? To so the director and the writers, they go, well, that doesn't make sense. We go, okay. And we finally got the thing into a place where it made sense. And and it absolutely blew everyone away. You know, it was it was a it was quite a big show to put in the other palace, you know, and it got a massive following. And I have to say, when when it closed early, it, well it, it I don't think it closed early, it was going to transfer um yeah, it ran its course there. It did its two months, or whatever. But it was going to transfer, and it didn't. But on the on the last night, you know, with with three hundred fans of the show in, and we did it, and, and we just got called back. I've never been called back on stage before. Yeah, we were all up in our dressing room getting changed, and there's video of it on YouTube. You can see of they wouldn't, they would not let the company go. It was it became really really good. It was wonderful, 
Uh, and it was great to be part of it in its workshop stage. And it was great to be part of it in that last version. And I think that it's got, you know, it's got legs. It's got a life yeah. after that. I think they've got plans for it. So, you know, watch this space. Go Eugenius. Yeah. I mean, it, it takes an enormous, I don't think a lot of people realise how much it takes to get a new musical off the ground and to get it to that yeah. point is already massive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and the expense, you know. Yeah. Uh, musicals at, at the other palace is so tricky because you, you just need a lot more people. There's a lot yeah. more staff. There's the band, to, to and, you know, and that's a tiny little venue. Um, I actually think it needs to be a bigger show. Yeah. That's what they need to make it bigger, then you can put it in a bigger venue, and yeah. then, then you can make, make, you know, it'll make its money back, I suppose. But the songs were really, really good. I mean, the albums, you know, the cast album is on, it's on Spotify and iTunes and stuff, and the, the songs are, are really, really incredible and sung brilliantly by, by Robin Laura, you know, and everyone else. And to have a really classy people putting it together, then it had so much going for it as well. Yeah. So yeah, let's hope for that for the future. Yeah, See, there's another absolutely. one. Yeah. Also, okay. I made some lifelong friends in that. We were, because the, the other palace has only got like two dressing rooms, and <laughs> we were literally the older dad, the older men, we called it the dad's dressing room. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we were upstairs, and there were five of us in what is literally a cubby hole for making tea in and they crowbarred five of us in there and we are the closest friends and we we have a zoom chat you know literally every week and meet up all the time and support each other and it's like we've never had that none of us have had that before where you you leave a job and there's a group of you that stay together but yeah it's um it's it, yeah it's called the uh oh, i can't say the name it's a bit embarrassing really but i think the, the company manager called us the sexy dad's dressing room so <laughs> that's that's sort of stuck really it is it's it's, it's the thing is when you're given a, a comical uh dressing room and you yeah. look at each other and you think we've all got to change in there that's our yeah. space yeah because you rely because you often rely on your dressing room to be your quiet place don't you where you can just oh yeah have some time just oh yeah not in that show <laughs> no i can imagine but it's a oh, brilliant story yeah okay next up is um broadway or west end well what do i prefer or which is better what's the, what's the question where's your heart uh yeah which which one is it that wins your heart well it would have to be west end because i haven't done broadway um yeah and i don't know if i ever will really i mean i i i did the u.s tour of buddy which was you know a brilliant opportunity but the guy that was the the alternate they always had an alternate buddy so the buddy the guy the main guy did six shows a week and then the alternate did two um because it's such a grueling part you know so they would do it that way and the guy that was the um alternate on the u.s tour he got sick and had to leave and so um i was in london at the time and i just i they put me on, you know, I'd done the shows as buddy, so they knew I could do it now as the understudy. And um, and Paul Elliott gave me a ring and said, how would you like to go and, and join Chip on the US tour? I was like, you what? You know, I was like 20, 24, whatever I was, 24 years old. And, um, and yeah, and then two weeks later, I was flying off to America and, you know, on a proper number one, tour of this brilliant show with an amazing cast um and with my mate chip so when i did buddy originally my buddy was 
Chip Eston, or he's known now as Charles Eston, and yeah. he was in the hit show Nashville. I don't know if you know Nashville. He played uh, Deacon Claiborne in that. And uh, he's now in uh, the Netflix series Outer Banks, which has had one series, and then they're just making another one now. So he's become, you know, a big star. And I'm still in touch with him a lot. He he, he tours as well with, with his own music. And um, he played the uh, uh, Shepherd's Bush Empire when I was in rehearsals for Annie a couple of years ago. And wow. he said, would you come and join me on stage for some, do some Buddy Holly songs, you know? Because, yeah, we did London together. Then we toured America together doing Buddy Holly stuff. And so I got to go on stage with, with Chip and do that. And that was, that was brilliant. And to do uh, the Shepherd's Bush Empire is brilliant. I know. When you think of all the people yeah. that have been there. I remember watching That's Life in the, yeah. in the 70s and 80s. And then Wogan was done from there. And if you look at all the musical artists that have played the Shepherd's Bush Empire, it's, in, it's incredible. So, yeah. yeah, just to be there was great. And then just to go on and... And we just slipped right back into that mode. You know, it was like, it's like we could read each other's minds and what we're going to do next. And we did a little 10 minutes. The audience loved it. And, um, and that was that, you know. And then we always go and see him when he comes over to do his, his concerts and stuff. It was great. So I can't think what got me onto that. What, what was, what we were talking about Broadway or West End, and I was going to say to you, okay, but it's West End. But what, yeah. what's your favourite theatre then in the West End? Have you got one? Um. I made my debut at the Palladium, and that's obviously the most famous theatre. Yeah. But I've spent most of my time, I think the longest I've ever been is uh, at the Dominion, because I did Beauty and the Beast there in 1999, uh, where I played Gaston. So I was in that original Disney version of Beauty and the Beast, which was mega, which I think is coming back, apparently, um, which, which was amazing. Did a year there. And then, of course, I did six and a half years in We Will Rock You. So the Dominion is you know in my heart i've got a, you know i've went through six six different casts of we were rocking you know so many of my friends were were part of that but then again you've got victoria palace where god i mean yeah that was my first break as a as the lead with with buddy and the v, the vp you know and what they've done to it now with hamilton is just amazing you know and it, it's hardly recognizable no the old vp but yeah amazing times at the Victoria Palace back in the back in the early nineties, you know, going That's to the stage pub opposite, which is not there anymore. You know, it's all been that whole the whole of Victoria's been remodeled. I mean, basically, when we were there, there was Starlight Express where Wicked is at the Apollo. There was Buddy at the VP, and then there was nothing else. There was one pub, and there was a Pizza Express, and that was it. You know, there's just nowhere. You know, now Victoria. When you go to Victoria, Victoria is an incredible place now. I've got fond memories of Starlight Express. I was backing singer in that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. But it is those days, isn't it, when you, you'd go to Victoria and those the shows, it was the old Victoria. You go to Victoria now and it, it is unrecognisable. And yeah. it's nice, but it's, it's nice. not what it yeah. was. Because it used to be quite nice to sort of fit down a heel. It was a bit sort of off West End, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If you think, oh, you're not in the West End, you're in Victoria. How very but... dare you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's to love it. And we used to always go down to the pub with the Starlight people and, you know, people I've known for years from those, from those days. Um, it was great. Theatre theater community, right? And we used to always go, there was a, because there was nowhere to really go around Victoria, we'd, I don't know if you ever went to, there was a boat along the Thames called um, the HMS President. And 
it was sort of just in between uh, past West, not past Westminster Bridge. Where's the bridge? It goes over to the the eye, and you just go down there a little bit on the right. And it was a it was a a boat that was parked, you know, like a venue, so you could hire it for weddings and all that. But it had a bar on there, and it was called Macready's, and that was where we would go. We'd finish the show, and we'd all head up to this boat, and we'd have years of just many many nights in there um, with some incredible stories. <laughs> It's lovely because it's that culture of of where to go when you finish a show, isn't yeah, it? At, yeah. at the end of the evening to go and unwind, and the nicest um, bar staff who who sort of are ready for you and make you feel at home. That's where you're always going to go back, isn't it? Always, yeah. Yeah. Right. Our last question of today <sighs> is: If you were to write a book about your life up to now. What would the title be, and what would your favourite chapter of all be? Cool, dearie me. Um, I think it would have to be called, like, um, I can't swear, so I'll say Lucky Sod. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I just feel like I've sort of blagged my way into this uh, industry and, you know, sort of kept going. I keep thinking I'm going to be found out, but for some reason, I, you know, I sit there sometimes and go, oh, I've got another, I'm doing another show now. That's brilliant. But yeah, so I just think a very a lucky sod, really. And I was going to say that I don't, I, I'm, I am lucky and I'm lucky because I never look and go, oh, I wish, I wish it was that time. I wish we could go back to then. I never, you know, every, every show I've done has been amazing and I've met amazing people and I've loved it at that time you know at that time it's been the perfect show for me like you can't compare playing buddy holly with doing kiss me kate the old bit because i couldn't do i couldn't do buddy holly when i was that age and i couldn't do fred and kiss me kate then so every job has been the perfect job and and it makes me sad when sometimes people go oh i wish i could go back to this show i did in in the 90s that, yeah. was, my, that was the happiest time of my life and i was first feel sad that that is that, that that the happiest time in your life was then i i feel like i want to i want to keep trying to make the happiest times you know i feel like the happiest time every year something comes along i go how can i beat last year and then even with lockdown i feel like it's beaten last year because i've spent every day with my daughter yeah and wife and i've been at home in my home that i love so in some respects this year it, well, and then of course I, I ended up doing the film so that was a that was a, a an improvement again on last year so how can i improve on it this year i don't know but if if hairspray happens that would be a whole new thing a whole new experience with hot with all new people again and, and an amazing show to do and an amazing show to do yeah, yeah. so, so your I, favorite I, chapter I, is is now in the future I, well it is it is the future really but because it's such a big part of my life, uh, I mean, Annie, Annie really has to be up there uh, with favourite jobs of all time. I think I've always said, I've, I've just, there's never, there's never a day I didn't want to do it. I did about a thousand performances. I did it for four years. I've yeah. had 20, how many Annies? Oh, I've had like 21 Annies and you know, and I'm in touch with them all and on all the mums and dads and the parents of the kids and they're all growing up now, you know, they're all, they're all doing so well and it's just brilliant to watch all the, all the kids I work with uh, grow up and, and carry on in the industry and go to college and, and, 
I go and see them in things and support them. And so that it's, it's a huge part of my life is is Annie. And, um, and so, yeah, so that would be a favorite chapter, I suppose. Perfect answer. Thank you. I tell you what, from your lucky sod title, don't you think it's when you follow, when you do something for, for your, for a living, that you actually do love and of course going into the profession is a bit of a risk because you never know you don't get a job for life so to speak you're just always working to the next next job yeah but don't you think it's when you're doing something you absolutely love and when you do something that absolutely amazes you that you could never imagine you would have ever have done but you always wanted to do it that you you feel like you it it must be a mistake or that I'm lucky I've got to do this wow um but you've got there through hard work anyway but it just still feels like a dream it is yeah I guess you know it is hard work but also I think it's all it's all sort of meant to be there have been situations where it's just something's just taken over and it's just something has happened like if I don't get a job if there's I, I never get down about it because every time I've not got a job it's because I was meant to do this other job or something like that um but it's all sort of meant to be i mean my best mate jim who uh from school and um and he lives in poland now but back in the day like when i was first auditioning for things he he talks about this a lot but he said to me once over a beer he says you know what al i really want you to get this job and what i want to do is i want i'm going to give you all my luck so any luck that i've got i'm giving it all to you and uh, and he always makes a joke about that because he's had some you know unfortunate things happen to him over the years and all that and I go uh, you know and I said it's because you've given me all your luck but he said but I think he did I think he gave me all his luck and I had a I just had a lot of luck and good fortune and you know just be nice as well just be yeah. nice I think I'm nice and I work hard but you do need good fortune and that's the thing you can be talented. You can work your butt off, but you need luck because there's just, and especially now, there's so many people trying to trying to make you know make a living in this game. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to come out of college now. I mean, when I was, even though I didn't go to college at that time, there was only kind of four big ones, and you'd all come out, and there's plenty of work for everybody. And now there's just hundreds of them, and thousands and thousands of graduates all trying to get the same thing. It's it's difficult. So you need luck, but you can we can make your own luck, I suppose. I guess yeah. I I made some luck and then I was given some luck and I'm, I'm a lucky sod. Available Perfect. now in hardback. Yes. yes. Yeah. We'll be on to the publishers right away. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for meeting up with me on the meetup today. Thank you. It's, it's been, been and I, it's been a pleasure to meet you and, and thank you so much. Thank you for asking me. It's been gorgeous and thank you. See you again. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Just talking musicals, musicals with you.